Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. So, uh, anyway, uh, let's do some I am, uh, hey Lee, uh, some I am affirmations. I am blessed. I am a blessing. I am. I am strong. I am strength. I am. When I point to me, I say it. When I point to you, you say it. Say it out loud. Put that energy out into the universe. Uh, I'm really believing this one today. I am healed. I am health. I am. I am whole. I am wholeness. I am. Um, I actually kind of like my voice like this. What do you think? You like my voice like this? What's up? I kind of I'm getting used to it now. Um, anyway, let's so uh, give me uh, two or three breaths, and then we'll get into the word. In through the nose, hold it out through the mouth. In, hold, out, inhale, exhale. One more in. Out. Beautiful. Uh, I speak into this atmosphere and I say, let there be light. Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says uh, something to the effect of, now when Jesus was born, when Herod was king, uh, there came wise men from the east saying, and then verse 2 says, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Now, I've taught about, uh, the, they're, they're called the Magi. It's where we get the word magician from. Uh, magic is not a bad word. Uh, <laughs> back in, I remember back in the day, uh, Reba's on here right now, in her lyrics to her songs, the she would freely use the word magic, and, the, and she used to get a lot of flack for it. People are a little more evolved now. Uh, back in the day, the church people didn't like it. They're like, it ain't magic, it's the power of God. And if you really go back to the root meaning, magic comes from the same root word as miracle. It's all, it's all supernatural. But um, uh, the reason we call them magi is they were diviners. Am I saying it right, Reba? Because I, you, you paid a price. You were, back in the day, you were, you, those of you that came late to the party don't realize what a groundbreaker Reba was, but you go back and listen to her stuff from the 70s, uh, mostly in the 80s was a lot of warfare stuff, but her stuff in the, uh, in the 70s, very ahead of its time. Uh, Reba, I'm not even sure you fully understood everything that you were saying, like he can be what you want him to be. That's a very, I mean, that's a very evolved premise. And, you know, here's to you for staying strong in that because a lot of people now do the same thing and they don't, they don't pay the price for it that you did back in the day. But it was worth it. If you get a chance, several of, not all of Reba's solo albums, but several of them are on digital platforms and they all, they all hold up well. You'd never believe... Uh, they don't sound vintage at all. They're uh, 
just as contemporary and fresh and relevant as they ever were. So just if you just Google her name, Reba Rambo, you'll see uh, her stuff. And I, Reba, I still want you to get the rest of them on there. But anyway, if we have to do a GoFundMe for it or whatever, I'd give to that. So uh, anyway, uh, that's where the word magic comes from, the magi. They were diviners. They didn't just practice uh, astronomy. They practiced astrology. They charted the Zodiac. And what they knew about, uh, they called him the king of the Jews, but they knew there was some super king that was going to be born, and they did not know it from the scriptures. I know I've talked about the Magi a lot over the years, but I think their story is super symbolic for um, what we believe about Christian universalism, what we believe about um, inclusion, what we believe about Christ consciousness, all of that. You can, you can support all of, a, all of those ideas from Matthew 2.2 because they were Zoroastrians and um, they charted the Zodiac. They didn't know the scriptures. They didn't know Old Testament prophets, which shows you Christ is revealed not just through the Bible. Christ is revealed in nature and uh, and. And they said, where is he who's born the king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east. In other words, we've, we've charted that this is where his star is going to appear. Of course, back then, people thought stars were moving. They weren't, we know now stars are stationary. But still, they knew how to uh, uh, interpret uh, astrological and astronomical signs. The different, I'm sure you know this, the different, astronomers are people who study the stars, like scientifically. And then astrologers have to do more with the spiritual, mystical side of it, with the, like the, the zodiac and that sort of thing. And the two are not mutually exclusive. Spirituality and science are not mutually exclusive. The, the, the more you get into them, you'll see how much they uh, confirm one another. So, uh, I mean, now when I read about quantum physics, I mean, everything I read, I think, oh, well, that's like, that's Mark eleven twenty four, that's Hebrews eleven three. I mean, it's so, the knowledge of the Lord fills all the earth as the waters cover the sea, okay? So they said, where's he who's born the king of the Jews? And um, Herod doesn't know, but he's threatened by the fact they these guys came from what was then called Persia. Now we, it would be Iraq. Uh and they had to want to come there because, you know, that wasn't, travel wasn't easy back then. It's not like you just go online and book a flight. I mean, if you, if you wanted to travel from Persia to Palestine, I mean, that, that's some effort. You got to find beasts of burden and pack enough food to last you. And I mean, it's, it's kind of extraordinary that uh, people in the ancient world could even travel like that. So uh, Herod has no idea, so he calls, he calls in some uh, men of his council, and they say, well, the prophet Micah said that the Messiah or the Christ would be born uh, in Bethlehem. So with their astrological knowledge and the scriptural knowledge, they decide to go to Bethlehem, and that's where they, the, from their perception, the star moved toward uh, where Mary and Joseph and the baby were. 
Uh, I don't know how to explain that to you. I don't know if some, I, I, I don't know. That's not the point. The point is the, they perceived a star moving. And uh, so what's interesting is when they got there, they did not convert to Judaism. Um, they didn't, it says they worshiped the infant king because that's what they said they wanted to do. We want to pay our respects. They brought the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but they did not become uh, missionaries for Jesus. They didn't, they didn't become Christians. We don't have any uh, uh, more information about them, but there's no, there's no data that says uh, they gave their heart to Jesus and went back to Iraq and started a big revival. That didn't happen. They were Zoroastrians who did not leave their religion. They did not leave their astrology. They did not leave the Zodiac, but they still worshiped the king. And uh, that's why I'm always telling you, it's not either or, it's yes and. Uh, so even when Jesus was a baby, he's basically saying those that are not against us are for us, which is the definition of inclusion uh, in a nutshell. Uh, that you don't have to convert. And then the response was, Herod has all the baby boys um, murdered. Uh, and then it says that they, uh, they had a dream that warned them not to go back through. Uh, yeah, they were spectators. Exactly, Pam. Spectators and uh, uh, they also honored. You know, it's like they wanted to uh, pay homage. Like they, they're saying, we know there's something special about the Christ. We're not... You know, we don't have to become Jews or Christians to see that. We already, we see it. We see it, which is basically what I want to talk about. We see it when the chosen people don't even see it. Sometimes it takes people outside of your reality to see you. Um, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Uh, sometimes um, it's like... You, they say you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes people, like for instance, back in the day when I pastored, I would, because uh, I don't really consider myself technically a pastor now. Um, but uh, yeah, respectators. Um, but uh, I would say something, like I, back in the day, I used to do about one uh, meeting somewhere else uh, besides my church. And so I, I did the, like Paul wrote to Timothy, said, do the work of an evangelist. I, I did that. And I could go somewhere else, people who didn't know me, and just say something that I said in my church every Sunday, and people would go gaga. They'd be like, oh my God, we've never heard it like this. And I'm like, really? Because I say this is my congregation and half of them aren't even looking at me, you know? And I don't, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying people who are up close to you sometimes don't really see you. And people who are up close to Jesus and Messianic prophecy and the scriptures, he was right there and they could not see him. Sometimes it takes somebody who's not part of that belief system to be able to see it. And um, yes, exactly, Carl. So... Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. I did a teaching a couple of years ago from the, uh, the Christmas song. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Patty. Uh, 
do you hear what I hear? And I love that song because it, you know, it says the, the night wind speaks to the little lamb, the little lamb speaks to the shepherd boy, the shepherd boy speaks to the king, the king speaks to the people everywhere. But the, the uh, hook line of the song is, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? What's interesting about the Magi to me is everybody can see the stars. You know, you could just walk outside and see the stars. And uh, uh, several people in the scriptures were guided by the stars. Like even uh, Abram, remember when God speaks to him and he says, come out of the tent, which is symbolic for get out of the 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 limited vision that you have because right now it, when you're in the tent all you can see is as high as the fabric above you uh, and he says go up go outside look up and count the stars if you can and that's how many your uh, the number of your descendants which is you know basically all the nations of the earth will be blessed in Abraham it's not uh, Israel I'm sorry but Israel is not the chosen nation. Israel was where the revelation started that we see, but the meek are supposed to inherit the earth, uh, not be arguing over some real estate, uh, you know, where Mount Moriah is. But anyway, um, like all, all of humanity are the chosen people. Um, so the stars... Um, David said that, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The great uh, Christian anthem, How Great Thou Art, is, uh, O Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the worlds your hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, uh, and then it makes my soul sing. Then sings my soul how great you are. And what's interesting about the fact that these diviners, these magicians, these soothsayers, could look at what everybody else was looking at. I mean, everybody can see the stars. Uh, when it's nighttime, it's not limited. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. It's a, there's a, like, it's accessible. And uh, why is it that out of however many people were living on the earth at that time, why is it that only three people in the world could see it? Everybody else... If you ask anybody who had been outside uh, at, at night, if you said, hey, have you ever seen the stars? Yeah, I see them every night. What's the, what's the big deal? And it goes back to the idea that perception is reality. Um, just because two people are looking at the same thing does not mean they are seeing the same thing. Just because two people are Listening to the same thing does not mean they are hearing the same thing, okay? Just because, and this goes back to, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? Uh, two people can have the same knowledge and only one of them have understanding of it. Knowledge and understanding are two different things. Knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Wisdom and understanding are different things. You can know it and not understand it, okay? 
So, and I've talked about this a lot. I've talked about things like, um, you know, when Einstein said, there's two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. And um, like, for instance, this trip we just went on, there was nothing that happened that I would say, oh my God, it was earth shattering, miraculous. But there's a thousand things that could go wrong that didn't go wrong. That's the miraculous part. And, you know, it could be, it could be argued that I look for stuff like this too much. But like, for instance, I live a couple of blocks from a MARTA station. So when we go to the airport, we just walk to the train and take it. It's so, it's so convenient. Traffic's never an issue. But when you're leaving early in the morning, sometimes there, there are some hurdles to overcome. Uh, sometimes the machines don't work. Sometimes they don't recognize your credit card. There's, you know, where you get your uh, breeze card to, you know, to ride the train. There's little things that if you're in a hurry, if you're on a deadline, they can become problematic. And we've learned over the years, like, you know, we, we just always get to every place early because it, I, there's, there's nothing more stressful than the crazy, frantic ride from hell when you're driving to the airport trying to not miss a flight, especially when you got to make a connecting flight. And you, you miss this one link in the chain and the whole thing's thrown off. <clears throat> like, um, we're about to celebrate our, uh, uh, eighth wedding anniversary. We were married in um, New York on New Year's Eve day. And the way it is in New York, you have to get the license 48 hours in advance. And you have, at least the way it was eight years ago, you actually have to go to the, whatever that is, it city, I guess it's City Hall, whatever that building is, it's the bottom of the island. So um, they close at least back then they did, they closed every day at three o'clock, which meant we had to get there before three o'clock to get the license or otherwise we wouldn't be able to, you know, get married when we planned to and we had people flying up and, you know, it would have, it would have affected several things. So we took the train to New York, which we've taken before and usually the train's always on time and it gets into Penn Station at two. So I told Ken, I said, if we get in at two, uh, we, I mean, there'll be traffic, but we should be, we should be fine to get down to the bottom of the aisle. Uh, when I say the bottom, I'm talking about the, you know, the southernmost part of Manhattan where the, all the government buildings are. Well, the train was late that day. So, you know, what are you going to do? You can't, I mean, you're on the train. You can't make them go any faster. So we get there and I told the, I don't even know what time we got into a cab. And I said, if there's any way you can get me to city hall by three o'clock, I would be so grateful. And somehow he did. I mean, it was our life flashed before our eyes a couple of times during that ride, but we got there. And um, when we got there, it was, it was like an ant, ant hill. I mean, just like people everywhere. And there were, this is before same-sex marriage was legal in all 50 states. So there were gay couples there. There were uh, a lot of military people getting married. There were, I mean, people had turbans on. It looked like, 
it, it was like the big melting pot of the world. People had native garb on from their country. Uh, I supposed that some people were getting married so that they could have citizenship, but it was like, it was a lot. And when we finally got up there, I asked the guy, I said, well, I'm trying to plan tomorrow uh, what should um, um, what should we prepare for? Is it is it a busy day? He said, it's the busiest day of the year for us. I said okay. So we were stay our hotel was up in Times Square. So I told uh, Ernie and Avery and a couple of other people with us. I told them. I said um, be prepared. We may be there for hours. So you know, hope y'all are on a deadline. You know, if we are, we'll just get some coffee and sit there and talk until our time comes up. And I don't know, somehow, when we hit it that morning, we just hit the sweet spot, and it's like it's like the waters parted. We walked in, we were in and out of there in 10 minutes. The justice of the peace's name was Angel, and he was like an angel. And it was just so, it was just perfect. And I had, uh, I had visualized that we would all go, let's, you know, we go out of there, we'll find a place, we'll go have lunch. There's a way I wanted it to look. In, you know, in my head, and um, it was so cold that day, and we couldn't find a place. We're walking around, so finally, I said, "You know what? Let's just go in this deli. This isn't this isn't what I visualized, but it, we can't keep walking around here and freezing." And uh, I think Colonel Rogers is probably watching the uh, soccer game right now. But he he said, "What's that place right up there?" And when he said it, I said, "It was like ah." I walked in. It was exactly what I'd visualized. It was just a a perfect day, and we went up to Central Park, and we took a horse and buggy ride, and we went to St. Patrick's Cathedral and did a prayer, and it was it was awesome. We came back here and did a few weeks later and did a uh, uh, reception because we had to wait till Jared uh, his tour was in Australia. You got through. Anyway, some people would look at that and say. Um, that wasn't miraculous. Well, I don't know if you've traveled a lot, but there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. So we just get to the airport early now. Like, let's just go. We'll, you know, we'll grab a sandwich there. I would rather be there early and just be on my laptop and, you know, get stuff done than, you know, going to crazy town. Oh, yeah, you're right, Avery. The deli had the black and white cookies I wanted. And I know those are just little things, but it's like when you put these little intentions out, it's like I'm a visionary. And I'm like, this. I want it to look like this. I want this. this. And then it's like whew, this little, all these little puzzle pieces come together. And, the, oh, there's what I visualize. So Wednesday morning, we got up probably too early. But I said, let's just go because I don't, I don't. And he was fine with it. Uh, he, he agrees with me on that. So we go to Marta, and I know this is a small thing, but it's like both of us, we, he was on a machine, I was on a machine, put our cards in to get a breeze card, and boom, they both came out. I know that's a small thing, but it doesn't usually work that way. You know, you have to try several different vending machines to finally get your card, and by the time you do, uh, especially if the train trains keep coming and leaving while you're trying, you know, like, please, I don't want to miss another train. We got to get to the airport. And when just a little thing like that, I said, oh, wow, that was really easy. And I told Ken, I said, this is going to be a really good trip. Now, some people would say, you're reading way too much into stuff like that. Well, I have seen his star in the East. And you can't expect, I mean, everybody sees the stars, 
But only the Magi see the star that leads them to the truth. And I'll tell you this about perception. If people don't see what you see, you can't make them see it. I'll tell you this, those of you that, if I am a voice in your life, if you want to call me your pastor or your bishop or whatever, that's fine. Um, I didn't teach you how to see stuff. There, there had to have been something in you that attracted you to something in me. Something resonated because a lot of people have heard me preach and didn't get it at all. Other people, you know, when I would say certain things, they'd be like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? I've, I've always believed that. I've never said that, but I've never heard anybody say that. Uh, and so that's why you can't get upset about perception because you either see it or you don't. And instead of wasting your life trying to get everybody to see what you see, what are you talking about, Bishop? Well, it's like I've given this example before. Uh, one, I don't remember which number it was, but we did a meditation weekend uh, in St. Simon's one year. We've been there two or three times. And I had everybody quiet. We were on the beach. I, I was playing some music on my little... Um, and uh, this dog about... 40 feet away from me is just, just yapping, 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 yapping. It's a big beach, but he, it was, it was um, persistent enough that I thought, this dog is breaking our thing. I just got everybody really quiet and serene, and they got their eyes closed, and, you know, this, they, they drove a great distance to be here, and now it's all about this dog barking. And just while I was, while everybody had their eyes closed, I just said, shh. And the dog shut up and walked on. Now, I didn't think that much about it. Several people told me, they said, I saw when you shushed that dog and he walked on. Now, some people would look at that and say, you didn't shush that dog. I mean, the dog just stopped barking. That, but, you know, that's what dogs do. That's fine. There's a scripture that says, you know, when the voice of God spoke out of heaven and some people heard it, other people said it was just thunder. There's always going to be some people who don't see the star in the East that you see that has come from your magical perception of things. And if you're gonna be um, sensitive about people not getting it, not seeing what you see, then, uh, then don't plan on good stuff happening to you because I'm telling you, words like synchronicity and um, serendipity, the more you see it, the more it happens. Some people don't see it. Some people, every time they go, I, I don't even know, I couldn't even count how many times I've, been, I've gone to New York. I've, it's my favorite place to go. Now we mostly just go at Christmas time, but there was a time, I mean, Debbie and I used to go several times a year. When Ken and I first got together, we went for birthdays and stuff. We kind of, you know, travel a little less now for no specific reason, we just do. But um, I know people that every time they go, it's a nightmare. They, they lose their luggage. The, you know, they get threatened. They get mugged, whatever. I've, all the years I've been there, I've never, I've never had anybody be rude to me. And I've, it's, it's happened so much that it can't be a fluke. It can't be just that, you know, uh, y'all just went to a special place. No, I mean, every time I've gone, it's just been amazing. And the, here's the thing about seeing. We have seen his star in the east. The more, you, the more you see, the more you will see. 
And you get to where you don't care if other people see it or not. If other people say, oh, you're just making up stuff, like, you don't even care. Now, what's interesting, I normally would never even mention something like this, but I think it's too, I think it was too serendipitous not to mention this. You know how I'm always saying, um, I don't get hate mail anymore. I used to get, I used to get it by the truckloads when I first came out. And it finally uh, tapered off. And, you know, my, my theory is when you stop bleeding, you stop, stop attracting the sharks. So when I stopped caring about it, it stopped. When you stop being vulnerable, you stop being a victim. So, uh, and that's, that's the truth. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's like I, just, I don't get that at all anymore. But um, Thursday, uh, we group texted Dominic, uh, this, Thursday this past week. And he said, I'm going to get off from work at four. Because I told him, I said, I want to I be at St. Patrick's by six because I want to get a good seat. I don't like to be back in the back. I like, there's a, a, a pew that we like there and we get it every year. And I wanna, I'm willing to sit there for an hour because I, I, um, I want that seat. So he said, all right, there's a place around the corner from my office. We should be easily get out of there by 530 and be at the cathedral by six. Okay, that's fine. He said, just come to the lobby of my building and meet, meet me at, at 4.30. Okay. It's raining and, you know, whatever. But we get, we get there a little ahead of schedule. So uh, we sit in the lobby and I texted him. I said, no rush, just letting you know we're here. And, you know, whenever you come down, we're ready to go. And that worked out great. Went to, he had a really cool Asian fusion place to take us. And it was, that was awesome. So while we're sitting there, Ken and I are both always on our phones. We don't, um, uh, exactly, Susan, exactly. To them that have, more will be given, and them that have not will be taken away. You're either spiraling up or you're spiraling down. So um, we're sitting there. We, we don't get our feelings hurt that we're both on the phone because we actually talk while we're on the phone. We're like, hey, did you see so-and-so? You know, like, it, it doesn't separate us. It sort of, we communicate that way. So, um, you know how Messenger, you, people can send you messages even if you're not friends with them. You can get a message request. So I got one on my on my uh, fan page, my B Bishop Jim Schooley page. And it was, it was such a quintessential homophobic, it was short. But it's like this woman in this one paragraph managed, like it was, it was very, um, how do I say it? Uh, it was very efficient that how in one paragraph she was able to work in Sodom and Gomorrah, Satan, demon possession, hell, uh, abomination, and God's going to destroy you. I mean... <laughs> I thought, wow, this woman's got hate mail down to an art form. This is incredible. Usually, back in the day, for someone to damn me to hell, tell me I'm a false prophet, all this stuff, it would take a you know lengthy. Uh, you know, I'd be scrolling through, you know, and I would just delete it. This one, I just looked at. Oh, wow, <laughs> that, that was really to the point. So Ken said, "What is it? I'm not even read you this message. I just got to." a doozy of a homophobic message, whatever. So, of course, I deleted it. Of course, I blocked her. There's no point in, in even answering her. 
in her ignorance of, of the Bible completely or God or human sexuality or relation. Like, this woman's in so much darkness. Where would I begin? And so I don't care. You know, the scripture says, let him who is ignorant be ignorant still. So I just deleted it. And um, did, I honestly didn't give another thought. I didn't mention it again. He didn't ask me about it. I didn't because I, I don't care. Like it's 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 such a non-issue. But later that night, I don't think Denise is on here this morning yet. But she'll probably watch this later. But uh, Denise from down in Cochran messaged me. She's like, I know you're on your trip. I don't want to bother you. But when you get him in, I want to tell you a, a story. And I said we were back in our room by then. I said, Well, just call me. It's fine. She's no, I don't want to. Uh, Thank you, Aidy. She says, I don't want to bother you. I'm just going to write it out. I just want to make sure it was okay to send it. I thought, thank you for asking permission to send me a, a message first. And uh, so she did. She was telling me about uh, every year they involved, I think her, I know her granddaughter, maybe her daughter involved in the Nutcracker where they are. So when they do that, they always take a group out to eat afterwards and Sometimes it'd be as many as 20 people. And she said, a lot of times, we don't, I don't even know half the people at this table. It's, it must be their Christmas tradition. So somehow, uh, something came up about somebody being gay. And they said, you have gay friends? She says, yeah, I've got a, I have a gay pastor. And they, they couldn't believe it. And uh, it sparked this conversation. And one of the people there is gay. And so... They had this conversation where she said, well, here's his coming out video and she's been watching the teaching and just, and it was basically, and I'm saying this in all humility, but I don't hear people say, you're a good preacher. I hear people say, you saved my life. I don't think I've ever been complimented on a sermon. I'm not a, I'm not a pulpiteer. I don't even uh, aspire to be one. I don't, I don't care about preaching. Uh, I care about communicating. And a, a week hardly passes that, that phrase or some version of that phrase isn't said to me. You saved my life. You saved my life. I mean, I'm not called to be a minister. I'm called to be a lifesaver. So um, she said, I just want to thank you for your good work, you know, because I was so happy that there were resources I could give this woman and and really help her out. And I, so I wrote her back. I said, it's very ironic. I, normally, I wouldn't even mention this, but... I got a doozy of a homophobic message uh, about three hours ago, and this is an interesting balance to it. It's like the two thieves on the on either of the on the cross on either side of Jesus. Um, I remember I've told you this story before, but I remember, and I'm telling you, I, this, I'm telling you this with no embellishment. I was in Conyers one day. I was standing waiting for somebody to pick me up in their car, uh, I had on like a black leather jacket. It was uh, wintertime, a black like t-shirt, black jeans. And um, a guy stops his car and he says, man, when I saw you standing beside that, beside the road in all black, I thought, there's the devil. I saw the devil. Is that the devil standing there? And then I, he must have said devil like four or five times. And, um, uh, Thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, and he said, then I looked at you closely and I thought, oh, that's that pastor from the church in the now. But he, he, had, he had to make it a point to call me the devil four or five times. I, re I remember every time he's like, like, 
wow. Uh, he said, but I, you know, he said, you're not the devil, I don't think. And so help me God, as he's calling me the devil, another person drives up, it was a woman from the church, uh, rolls the window down and says, Bishop, I can't believe I saw you standing by this road. I'm listening to this tape of you and I'm telling you, she's crying. She says, this isn't you speaking. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus. You're Jesus. You And I thought, now this is a trip. I'm standing by the road and somebody's calling me the devil. Somebody's calling me Jesus <laughs> in the same moment. Like they, it's like it was, it was like it was planned. Like this one goes, you're the devil. This one goes, this is your Jesus. And, uh, it was just such a picture of, wow, you know, people are going to perceive. I mean, Jesus did miracles right in front of the Pharisees, and it just did, it didn't, they didn't, they didn't budge. They were like, no, nah, you're the Beelzebub. And uh, that's why he said, you know, a uh, uh, house divided against itself can't stand. <clears throat> so I stopped letting my feelings get hurt about that a long time ago. And that's not what this sermon's about. This is what I want to get across to you for this is one of my Christmas messages. In the new year, I want you to start seeing things like stables, mangers, wise men. Even uh, in Luke's account, the angelic choir appears to the shepherds out in the field. You know, you think... Jesus needed a better PR guy because if they were, if this is really the Messiah who's being announced, shouldn't the angelic choir appear over Jerusalem? I mean, what, like, why don't you go high profile? Let the angelic choir appear over the synagogue and, you know, let it appear to the Sanhedrin court. Then it'll change their perception. I remember last time I was in Jerusalem talking to an Orthodox rabbi. And we were having, not an argument, just a, a enlightening conversation. He said, he said, I don't have any issue with Christianity, but the reason, he said, I just will never see Jesus as the Messiah is according to my, our prophecies, the Messiah is supposed to be this man that comes and makes the lamb lay down with the lion. He said, that's never happened. And until we see that man, he said, I don't, I don't think Jesus was a bad man. I just don't think he's who... Um, the prophets were prophesying because the lamb and the lion don't lie down together yet. And I didn't even argue with him. I said, well, you know, I'm sure you know this, but most Christians think that's going to happen in what they call the millennium. And he says, yeah, well, that's not what, that's not what the prophet was talking about. I said, I know that and you know that. But um, anyway, the point is, the amazing thing about Christmas is it's, it's so full of all these miracles that most people would never notice. Uh, a, a stable, a manger, um, shepherds. All These are like real humble, mundane, average things. Why wouldn't the angelic choir appear to the intelligentsia of Jerusalem? Wouldn't that cause a paradigm shift for those that, you know... Uh, were steeped in Jewish religion. I mean, wouldn't that have made more sense? Why didn't the, heck? Why didn't the angelic choir go to Herod's palace? That would get Herod's attention. Let the angels sing to uh, to Herod. No, they're out for these out in the fields 
singing to some shepherds. Like, why? That's not even a good, that's not even good PR. That's not even good um, branding. Like, go sing to somebody that can talk about it or, or, or um, showcase it. Not to, I mean, these are just some shepherds that if they, if these men uh, say to you, y'all aren't going to believe this, but last night we were out in the field and the sky filled up with angels who sang to us, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Most people would say, I think you guys, ugh, you guys were drinking a little bit out there in the field. Like, no, who would believe that? And, you know, they said, well, let's go, you know, let's go see this thing. And they go, you know, the same way that the Magi look for him, they look for him. But the point is, is stars are everywhere, and yet only three men saw it. Um, the sky is big, but the angelic choir only showed up and sang to some shepherds. So my point in that is, Miracles are everywhere. If you say uh, nothing good ever happens to me, it's like you just you just don't know how to see. You remember when um, Elisha was uh, he he had a servant and these um, uh, enemies start coming toward them in chariot. I mean, yeah, like uh, coming toward them and the. Um, uh, Servant says, what are we going to do? We're outnumbered. These guys are going to kill us. And he says, well, there's more with us than there are of them. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And Elisha says, open his eyes. And when his eyes opened, he saw that the mountains were filled with chariots of angels. And uh, there was all this, you know, whether that was a literal thing that happened or not, the point of it is, if you don't know how to see you don't know how to receive. The problem in receiving has nothing to do with your faith. It has nothing to do with your worthiness. It has nothing to do with sin in your life. It has nothing to do with the mistakes you've made. It has everything to do with how you see things. And when these wise men, these magicians, these soothsayers, these diviners, when they say, well, where is he? We've seen his star in the east. That's what I pray for you today, is that you'll open your eyes and be able to see that if you go to the MARTA train and you put in your, uh, you punch in the number so you can get your breeze card, and it comes right out on the first time, you say, I'm sorry, I just can't call that a miracle. Well, then call it a miracleette. You know, it's it's miracle adjacent. Because if you don't start noticing the little things around you, you're never going to notice the big things. Um, the other night, the uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein um, flower drum song was on. Uh, and the, the song in it is 100 million miracles are happening every day. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. Those guys... Ha um, Oscar Hammerstein was such an incredible, I mean, uh, Richard Rogers wrote the music, Hammerstein wrote the lyrics, and he, God, he was so, uh, he was so enlightened, he was, he was so evolved. Songs like uh, You've Got to Be Carefully Taught from South Pacific about how people learn uh, prejudice, it's Just he just had such a gift. And uh, 
not everybody's going to see this things the same way because not everybody has the same gifting, but you can be taught to see things better. Like, um, there's some things you just don't know until somebody tells you. Um, I remember when I was a, I was probably in college. Uh, I was dressed up one day and there was a guy, there was a, a guy who was older than me that I thought was really like a super well-dressed, well-put-together guy. Like if there's anybody I when I was that young that I would want to emulate, you know, like style-wise. Like, man, Richard always, like that's, that's the way I want to look when I get older. And one day, it was like in warm weather, and I had on a, like a, a tie that was made out of like kind of thick wool, uh, thick fabric. And uh, he wasn't being mean about it. He just said, he said, you know, you're wearing a, that's a winter tie you're wearing in the summer. And it didn't hurt my feelings. I was just like, wait a minute. What I just had never heard that concept. I said, you mean there's winter and summer ties? He said, yeah, because of the fabric. He said, there's some ties you can wear year-round. Like, you can wear a silk tie year-round. But there's other things, like you would, you would wear cotton ties in the summer, like with seersucker suits. And, that, or, and then in the wintertime is when you'd wear, like, thicker uh, woolen ties. And he said, I mean, it looks fine. He said, I'm just telling you. And I said, no, thank you. I had no idea. And it's little things like that. You think, like, even today, um, it kind of makes me emotional because she's just been through something, but uh, uh, they had, she had a part of her lung removed. My favorite teacher from high school, we're Facebook friends, and her birthday's today. I can't imagine that Miss Moffat would be watching today, but uh, I, I just loved her, and I don't know of any teacher who impacted me more than she did, because she was my 10th grade um, uh, English teacher, but then I joined the school paper, and I became the editor of the paper my senior year. So for those three years, she was the faculty sponsor. So I was, she was very involved in my life for three years. And I became, she was very young, right out of college. And I became friends with her and her husband. I used to go over to their house. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world that I was friends with them. And, you know, back then I was trying to get them saved because they smoked pot. And, you know, they were like hippies. And, but they, they influenced me so much. And like she would say, like there's so many things about literature and stuff that I paid attention to because I respected her opinion. I'm telling you, this is not what I'm teaching on today, but respect is really important in relationships. Somebody's asking me the other day, what do you think makes, what are the important ingredients for a marriage? I said, you know what I, you know what I really think? I think love is important, but if I was going to, put something at the top of the list, I would, I would put respect. I think you have to, if, if you don't respect somebody, that even if you're in love with them, you can't have a life with them. I mean, I would nearly put love number three. If you're just going to hold me to it, I would say respect first, trust second. And, you know, love is important, but you can be in love with somebody that you cannot possibly, you, you can't trust them out of your sight. And But I, I think respect really, really matters, especially as you... Uh, age and it's it just it, it it's there's something very demeaning about being disrespected. I can't explain it. It's like it's it, respect's important. I don't know why I said that. 
That must be a word of knowledge that somebody pulled out of me. But um, back to my original point. Um, one reason I love Christmas every year is that it forces uh, you to look at things differently. I've already talked about it, about the paradigm shift that's in all of the classic Christmas stuff from It's a Wonderful Life to, um, well, all of them. They're all about the main character has a paradigm shift because of, or a revelation because of Christmas. And this year, I was asking my kids last night, uh, uh, Jared and um, uh, Judah, thank you for reminding me of their names. Why did I name them all J names? Um, oh, did he really, Linda? Huh, interesting. But um, I said, look, I'm not going to make y'all sit through It's a Wonderful Life this year. You know, I'm not going to force y'all. And they said, uh, you don't force us to watch it. When can we come? So they're coming Wednesday night. You got to help me clean this place up today. I'm speaking to him. I'm speaking respectfully. <laughs> he just does a much better job of it than I do. Anyway, um, the thing I love about watching that movie with my kids is they don't mind that I'm constantly pausing it saying, I just want y'all to notice, notice how, like last year I was showing them, uh, there's a scene at the end when, um, all the people are bringing in the money to, uh, uh, the Baileys. And when, the guy, uh, Wainwright, yeah, gay cleaning, exactly it. Um, he wires, like, the, the biggest amount of money. And there's just this one shot where Jimmy Stewart glances over at Donna Reed. Really, they, they look at each other because, you know, she nearly married him. That's the, he's the man that uh, her mother wanted her to marry because he was going to be successful. And he did become successful. And there was just that moment when they said, uh, I think his name's Wayne Wright, you know, $25,000, which in the 40s was like $100,000. And of course, Bailey is uh, appreciative, but there's also kind of a, this is an acknowledgement. And I said, I love, Frank Capra was such a great director because you just saw those little nuanced things. I said, I hope y'all don't mind me telling you that. They said, no, you, you have taught us how to watch movies. Uh, Todd told us, we met this uh, Friday, my son-in-law. I told him, Todd is, he's older than Christina. He's Ken's age, nearly my age. I told him, I said, hey, I can't call you my son-in-law because I'm going to call you my Todd-in-law. But um, they never did a wedding, but they are married. Uh, but uh, he said, there's no, there's nothing, there's, because he's in the movie business. His father was good friends with Humphrey Bogart. And uh, he said, there's no movie I can mention to Christina that she's, oh yeah, my dad took me to do that. <laughs> like, there's no play. Like, they've seen everything. It, you know, my dad showed me that, my dad, you know. And I love that because you can, my point is, sometimes people have to help you see things because you don't notice miracles. Sometimes you just don't know how to see. Sometimes you don't know how to look at something. And somebody who doesn't have an agenda sometimes can help you see something a little better. That's why today on Ms. Moffitt's uh, um, 
page, I said, happy birthday to my favorite teacher, the one who impacted my life the most. I wrote her that a few months ago, and she said, I'm, I'm so surprised to hear that, but thank you. And I don't, the way I read it was, you were my favorite student. I think what she actually said was, you were one of my favorites, because she did have a lot of uh, students over the years. But um, it's because she, she taught me how to respect material, and, and I'm talking about, like, literary material, respect plays, and I, because I thought she was cool, if she said it's cool to watch this movie or read this book, like, okay, well, I'm, I gotta rethink this thing. And um, so here's the thing. I'm not gonna pray for you to have Christmas miracles. I'm gonna pray that your eyes open, that you see that you're already surrounded with them, and the more you see them, the more you will manifest them. Uh, Oh, thank you, Ann. I see your gift that just came in. I appreciate it. Uh, that's, what, that's what I want you to see. Where is he who was born the king of the Jews? We have seen his star. There are stars everywhere. And anybody could have seen his star. But we saw it, and we saw it. I, I want you to see how blessed you are. You know, I don't want to bring the room down on a cl closing note, but um, Twitch, the guy that, the dancer that was on uh, Ellen DeGeneres' show, young, handsome, talented, beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Anytime he was ever, uh, did anything on the Ellen show, he was, he was always, he was beautiful. He was just like super affable. Like if you had said, do you think this guy's a candidate uh, for suicide, you'd be like, not, not him. This guy's got everything to live for. I know depressed people that have been depressed for as long as I've known them. You know that will that will send me messages saying, "Pray for pray for me. I'm depressed." I think I could have got this message from you 30 years ago. You know th those those people rarely, you know, do any damage to themselves. And then somebody like him, I'm like, what? He committed suicide, and it just showed me, I mean, it just reminded me, man, you never know what's going on in some in somebody. Because you can look at some people who are melancholy or whatever, and you think, well, somebody better keep an eye on them. They, you know, they might do themselves in. And there's other people like, wow, I did not see that coming. And again, it all whatever happened to him that pushed him over the edge had to do with how he saw things. And so it's important that you see the good, that you see the blessed, that you see the light, that you see hope, that you see his star in the east, and it makes you move, and it makes you... The, the, the Magi were searchers uh, because of what they saw. They're, they were visionaries who translated their vision into a search. And that's, um, that's what I want you to take away today. All right? So um, thank you for watching today. If you want to give to the ministry, I certainly would appreciate it. Go to bishinthenow.com. There's a place you can give. If you want to give to me directly, uh, you can, uh, I got all the cash apps. I think most of y'all know that by now. Um, I'm just going to say I'm going to be back on 
Christmas Day, because if you know if you're busy at eleven o'clock, you can still. We're we're not going to celebrate. We're we're celebrating with Ken's family Christmas Eve, and then we're going to do my family at Mom's house the day after Christmas, just because I you know the boys have their places to go, and I I don't want to. It gets too stressful for everybody when and Jared's going up to his mom's. He's taking his other grandmother up to. Uh, <clears throat> see her, but so everybody will be back the day after. So we're going to celebrate on the 26th. Um, but we'll probably go over and see about my mom on Christmas Day. Uh, but anyway, um, thank you for watching. I'm going to go read your comments. Love you all. Keep seeing. All right. Peace. <laughs>